Welcome back to Following Noadon, a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 74, and we're doing chapters 66 through 70 of Oathbringer by Brandon Sanderson. We've got some Kaladin chapters, some Shallan chapters, and one Dalinar flashback chapter uh, to talk about this week, and we'll start with Dalinar 1. But first, uh, Paul, how are you, and who's on our Patreon mug? I'm doing great. I'm excited to uh, be here once again. Uh, this week, on our lovely little, I don't know if you can tell, there's a little rose. We have Robert. Rose for Robert. So, uh, everyone give a little round of applause for Rose for Robert. Thank you, uh, thank you Robert. And, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Um, oh, no, I forgot to look. Robert <laughs> is an ardent Am I right? Do do you know this, Trevor? Is that your final answer? Yes. He's a. All right. I think if you had surgeon, I think if you had tried to get them wrong, you would have done a worse <laughs> job because he is a surgeon, in fact, and you're still okay. zero for five or whatever you're at. I'm. Right now. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think I'm literally <laughs> over five. I think I may have gotten the first one. I think I got our first. Wait. I don't even know if I got our first one right or not. Anyways, I apologize, Robert. Um, you're a great surgeon, uh, and thank you for the support. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Elliot, how are you? I'm doing just fine. Doing just fine. Excited to be back again, talking more Stormlight with you guys. Good. Uh, happy belated birthday. Elliot recently had a birthday. Thank happy you. birthday, Elliot. Alrighty, uh, Paul. We'll start with you. Can you? I have two words for the summary of episode seventy-four. Sure. Um, I'm gonna pat myself on the back because I think it sounds cool, but it's not really that deep. Uh, my two words for this week are forgetful remembrance. Forgetful remembrance. Remembrance. Yeah. Remember. Remembrance. Yes. Okay, Elliot. My two words are learn why. Ooh, learn why and forgetful remembrance. I like these four words. Let's use them and talk about it. Bring Aren't you supposed to say like these words these are words accepted are, or something like that? That's what I was thinking. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, do a yeah. Little, it's, you say it's not <laughs> after every episode. You're like, I should do that, and then before every episode, <laughs> you don't do it. Yeah, I, I don't just don't think it's worth it to start. You know, halfway through Oath, bring in the third book. I mean, just it's a missed opportunity. Let it let it pass. Well, what's the quote? Maybe a hypocrite is just someone who's in the process, process of, of changing. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. What if he just is he quoting Brandon Sanderson now? <laughs> yeah, and maybe you'll actually listen. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, Elliot, tell me about your words. Mine are pretty obvious. If you if you read the chapters in chapter sixty eight, we have another great conversation with Wit. Hoyd, whatever you want to call him. And 
it it spurred th- this chapter spurred a little bit of, of discussion. I was I was asking all of our Discord folks to chime in. I keep reading wit interactions and just coming out of them like, what in the world did I just read? And, and this was one of those. But I loved how it ended, where Shalon basically says, "No man, I'm going to change the world. You wait and see." And wit responds back with. You already know how. Learn why. And I thought that was super deep. So it had to be my two words. Cool. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. Paul, uh, tell me about your two words. So my two words, forgetful remembrance. Um, Go, like they're independent, but they also kind of come together. So forgetful is a kind of a, a stab really at Dalinar um okay and him just you know Dalinar as a character doesn't remember a lot of his past like things that have happened and stuff right but we see specifically him forgetting about his youngest son Renarin uh which is kind of sad for Renarin um nothing too deep there um and then with remembrance um that's actually in reference to our Kaladin chapters at the end and kind of remembering to um, bridge four or kind of the formation of it or kind of that environment. I feel like we're almost seeing like a mini repeat or something along those lines there. Um, and so I thought that was kind of neat and kind of remembering that. Um, I also think just like the juxtaposition of those two words, this is really deep. The, just just the wittiness with those words is kind of my stab also at Shalon and Hoyd's discussion because it's very it really is like a battle of brains there for like no prize but they're just like <laughs> going at it with jokes and stabs and stuff True. so it's kind of fun I feel, I feel like there's a lot of paradoxes or opposites that would, would describe wit well so I like that mm-hmm. So let's talk about uh, forgetfulness, that first word that you had there. Because chapter 66, we have a Dalinar and Evie flashback chapter. And Evie is, feels like their marriage is not going well. And Dalinar is like, well, I'm at the, I'm, they're in Yakaved at the point, at this point. He is just, um, been on a a battlefront, and Dalinar says, "Oh, we'll we'll all go on a vacation." Um, he's trying to like make her feel better because she's kind of in tears, and he's like, "Oh, we'll we'll go on vacation, all three of us." And uh, like you, you mean you mean Adolin, and then she's like, "Uh, you know, you have two sons, right?" And he's like. Oh, oh, yep. <laughs> Oops. That's like a step worse than when the husband forgets the anniversary, right? It's like you've just forgot about your other child. Yep. Or or it's like when, you know, a, a parent picks up one kid from school but forgets to pick up the other kid from school. Like this, <laughs> this, is, this is worse. You forget you even had another kid. Bless, bless Evie's heart. She's trying so hard to make all this work because she's not a lefty, but she's certainly trying to fit in and be a lefty for Dalinar because she thinks that's what Dalinar wants from her. 
and she's trying to make the family work. She's trying to raise Adolin and Renarin as best she can without Dalinar, because Dalinar is off being a general. And then she asks for like a sliver of emotional support from Dalinar and <laughs> doesn't doesn't get it. So I, I feel bad for, for Evie. I noticed how Evie talks in this chapter about how she's frustrated that the Alethi have to make everything a competition. Like every, all, all the males are all kind of vying for, you know, power and dominance. And then even all the females, like, you know, every conversation is, is about, you know, subterfuge and, and tact and, and she doesn't, you know, she gets really frustrated by that. And, and I, I kind of noticed like, you know what, she, she's right. Like Alethi do make everything a competition, don't they? Do you guys have any other takeaways from this chapter besides old Dalinar is not present day Dalinar by any stretch of the imagination? Yeah, that we already knew, just proving the fact further. Pretty much. It was it was sad to see. And honestly, I honest um my my only other two cents about him like forgetting Renarin. Um at least in the audiobook, it doesn't really seem like he forgot Renarin very well. It, it sounds like he says, like, you, me, and Adolin, and then he's kind of, like, cut off. Or that's how I remember hearing it in the audiobook. So. Okay. Kind of took me a while to realize, get, like, if Dalinar was, like, really wrong there, if he just didn't get to finish what he was saying, <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny. But, yeah, no, he definitely forgot Renarin, so <laughs> that's sad. That, that is all, though. Just to jog your memory a little bit from last week, we we closed our scene, we closed our reading with Dalinar just jumping through the Oath Gate and having a sudden revelation of how Evie died. And then this next chapter is a, a rift in their marriage. <laughs> Interesting choice of words, sorry. Um <laughs> Any uh, any foreshadowing there? I actually had an another thought. It's not foreshadowing so or anything. So if Ellie has anything like that, feel free to add. But um, my 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 only other thoughts about this chapter is like we we do see Dalinar and how he's kind of portrayed as being able to take on anything, like any fight or any like challenge and stuff that's kind of in front of him and then now he is faced with basically just a, like a trial in his relationship with his wife right and she's very unhappy and I just remembered kind of at the end because when she's talking about everything being a competition she's talking about like getting along with the other women right and mm -hmm. it's always a, a game of it's always just like fake kind of like this political game of who's the smartest, like, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, Delinor has no idea how to, like, comfort with that. And and it's 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 sad to see. It, it's, it's tough. It's kind of tough, but I kind of feel bad for Delinor, and I'm also kind of like, well, it's, it's just a mess. It, it's a big mess that Delinor has there. So kind of sad. 
I was feeling the same things as you, Paul. And actually throughout this whole chapter, I was really just kind of frustrated actually, because like you said, Trevor, we just finished a chapter where Dalinar has the revelation. So I'm thinking, okay, this is it. This is the chapter. This is the, the earth shattering moment. And then it's really not. It's, it's just kind of this fight between heavy and Dalinar, which is not what I was looking for. So the, the suspense drags on even further. We still don't know. True. We'll have to keep reading and find out because we don't find out in this episode. Anything else from our down our flashback chapter before we move on to Shalon? I'll take that as a no. All right. We have the reappearance of Hoyd in, in our chapter. This is our first appearance of Hoyd in this book. And I'm extremely happy. I really like Hoyd uh, and, and his random, you know, lore, whatever, parable chapters, whatever you want to call them. They're, they're a blast for me. So he's back and he's talking about this parable of the moons and this queen of Natan who talks to the moon and stuff like that. So what you guys, what were your guys' impressions of Hoyd's reentrance here? Okay, I have, I have two things. One, I would like to overall address Hoyd for one second here. Because oh I really boy. had this thought. Because we, I feel like we had two chapters of, it felt like straight Hoyd content here. And I really had this thought. Um, of like, is Hoyd actually important at all? Like, there's always been this notion of, like, he's really old he's totally different from everyone else what is he was like their thought thoughts of like is he a herald is he from another world is he a god like what the heck is wit who who is he and i really have this thought of does it matter and what like will we ever find out like i'm literally thinking of him right now almost like comparing this to Lord of the Rings again. Like, Gandalf, we know is old and wise, right? But we don't really know his story really, right? We're just like, okay, cool, it's Gandalf, he knows a lot, I'll ask him for advice. And Hoyt is a way more chaotic version, but I'm kind of almost in the boat that he's not actually gonna be... He comes in and tells these great, like, stories and we can kind of learn from him and stuff, but, like, grand scheme is he going to be important i have no idea he showed up in warbreaker for one chapter when we mm -hmm. when we read it and so yeah how exact how old is hoyd exactly he actually gives an answer to that he, question mm -hmm. he in, does in this chapter well a indirect answer but it, it's still yeah. more information than we're used to getting so yeah true like he he says that when the heralds were born he had already lived dozens of lifetimes and so we know that he is older than the heralds he's i assume as old as time kind of thing but that doesn't really tell me much um my actual that... 
sorry, Paul, just to tack onto that a little yeah, bit, right. just the rest of that, that quote too, where he, he finishes that off by saying, old is a word you use for worn shoes. I'm something else entirely. Like that's the kind of stuff that feeds this like mystery for me behind Hoyd of, yeah, that, that stuff like old is time. Like what, what is he? Not, not who is he, but like, what is Hoyd? He, he seems like something different. It, is that important? Like I, I am kind of with you. Is, is he meant to just be mysterious and unknowable and we never will know? I don't know. I mean, isn't like the first mention of Hoyd? They're like the wit is not like anyone else or whatever. Like he's entirely his own thing, and so the, I'm kind of in, yeah. The the first intro you get to Hoyd is in the Way of Kings. That's a Dalinar chapter, and Dalinar's thinking to himself, "Whether well, there's dark eyes, and then there's light eyes, and then there's kind of just wit. Like he's just you know wit. He's wit. Yeah." So I don't know if he's important. I don't know if we'll find out. And like, I'm almost to the point which I didn't think I would be here because I think Hoyt is really cool. But right now, I don't really care. I don't really <laughs> care that he's here. <laughs> I would love to find out about Wit. Um, but right now, I'm like, okay, let's see the like unmade or like, I don't know, all this crazy stuff. So, um, yeah, so um, my actual thought is not really a thought about the chapter it's more so this so this chapter was titled mishim right mishim Something like that mm-hmm. and it was kind of the story that hoyd tells and honestly it was hard for me to follow and that's my <laughs> my thought about this was it was hard to understand or see like what was actually going on i feel like i needed to i, I listened to it twice i think i needed to listen to it like five more times to actually like figure it out so i'm with you. that is all Elliot, do you want to do some explaining for him? No, <laughs> I'm in the exact same boat. I I read this twice. I even you know on the second time was going incredibly slow through this whole story of Mishim the Moon and and this queen and their little banter love affair whatever this turns out to be. And I'm going through the whole thing like looking for meaning. Like where's the hidden? Where's the moral? Where's you know the message here that Shalon needs to know? Nothing. I, I came out of it just as confused as the first time I read through it. I I have no idea what what Hoyt is trying to do with this. Or even if he is trying to do anything with this, or if he just loves to tell stories and be silly, like that's maybe that's just him. I'm really glad that you feel that way too. <laughs> like they're just just with not not really understanding the story, because now Trevor can explain it all to us and make it make sense, right? <laughs> I will explain it with a question for you how does he answer well he tells shalon something in response to a question of why why are you here in the city why why now why are you here and what does he what does he answer with that so i think what you're going for here was actually stuck out to me is really important i i highlighted this and, and put some exclamation marks in my notes on this he responds back by saying, hopefully this is what you're getting at. I made a vow. I said I'd always be there when I was needed. Which is rather cryptic, but at the same time might give us some explanation for kind of, yeah, what he's doing and, and why. Is he bound by some sort of oath? 
to like he has to be there when he's needed, which would totally explain him showing up in absolutely random locations when big important things are about to happen. So he has a second part to that to that phrase because you're absolutely right. That's what I was going for there. Is he doesn't know what he needs to do. He just yeah. needs, he just gets to know where he needs to be. So when Shalon asks him, why are you here? And he says, I don't know. I'm here because I've been instructed I need to be here, but I don't know why. He, he then goes on in a, a few paragraphs later, though, to contradict this a little bit, which doesn't surprise me at all because it's, it's Hoyd. He, they eventually get into talking about Shalon is like, well, you know, if you're here to help me, what, what, help me, tell me what you're doing. And he, he responds back with, oh, actually, I'm not here for you, which spawns all kinds of questions of, well, who is he here then for? Who, who is he supposed to be helping or who is he supposed to be there for if not Shalon? But then also, how does he know? How do you know that? Right, exactly. How does he know that he's not here for Shalon? Or is he just being facetious again and saying, oh, no, I'm not going to help you because uh, I'm not actually here for you, even though I just told you that I don't know why I need to be places I just know where. Yeah, okay, Hoyd. He misses his uh, his trailman's flute that Kaladin has lost somewhere. He does remind us of that every time. He's like, yeah, I miss my flute. Yes. That is another item that I thought was going to be important, and then it just kind of never showed up again, and Hoyt is just kind of lamenting its loss every few books, and hmm, okay, guess maybe that wasn't important. Or maybe it is important. It's going to come back. Is this our equivalent of the Wander Sale chapter? It is titled similarly. Where it's just titled Mishim and it's about it's some random parable, but with the Wander Sale, I feel like there was a a nice moral to the story, and Kaladin asked the same thing, and with this one, Elliot, you're wondering why are we being told this story? Why now? Shalon's wondering the same thing. Why are you? What what's going on? I'm gonna be disappointed if this is the equivalent of the Wander Sale chapter for this book because it didn't involve Dalinar. I it for symmetry purposes and book themes and character arcs, like everything is pointing to the fact that Dalinar needs to have one of those moments with Hoyd since it's his book and Dalinar right. wasn't here. So right. my brain wants to say, no, this can't be, but maybe it is. I refuse to confirm or deny. Of course. I did want to pause, actually, and we may have actually mentioned this before, but in the Mishim chapter, when he's telling the story, it talks again about how he kind of uses smoke to tell the story, right? He's got all these, like, really cool images, and Shalon's standing there trying to figure out, like, oh, is he surge binding? Is that, like, a power, a stormlight-driven power? And I think we might have tried to guess at this before, but it's got me wondering again— is he surge binding? Is he using some sort of a stormlight driven magical ability? Or is this something completely different? 
I think this is part of what feeds that theory for me that he's otherworldly, that he doesn't come from this world. He's got powers. He's got abilities that are from completely other places because this like ability to manipulate smoke seems a little bit out of place. You definitely have something to add to this. Because um, I wanted to bring it up because um, in typical Brandon Sanderson fashion, there was this, there's an item that was pointed out that Hoyt had in his bag. Do you remember this, Elliot? Don't. What was it? Um, so it talks about Shalon could see into his bag, I guess, as he was closing it or something like that. And there was a jar, I believe. There was a jar, and like she, what she could see, it was like it was like black on her side that she was looking at, and then like white on the other, or really bright or something. And it definitely like it kind of gave me the vibe of like colors and like breaths kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. that's where my mind went. Um, but I don't know. It was very vague and just like pointed out, but it was definitely pointed out. Like there's no reason that, that Brandon Sanderson would point out this random jar that's like kind of mysterious. It's right. Unless it's to allude to something, right? It's right as he recognizes her, Elliot, if you're looking for it in the, like in the Mm. crowd, he, he notices something real quick and then quickly scans the crowd and finds her. I'll but, have to find it later because now I'm intrigued because I, I missed that. And there are definitely some other similar or maybe hints towards this is a breaths related thing, maybe. But like I also hair. feel like, yeah, oh yeah, and his hair for sure. But I almost kind of feel like you and I are just kind of looking for that because that's the only like outside um, Cosmere that you and I have. I guess you've got a little bit of Mistborn knowledge, but like... I feel like we're almost maybe trying to force the peg into that hole. Just we we want that to be the case because that's what we've read. But yeah, I'll have to look that up. I don't remember that. So yeah, it it was very small. Like you'll see it and be like, oh, okay. Yeah. You'll if you'll remember back to the wander sale and the the scene. I don't remember what the title's called at the the festival where he talks to young Shalon and in the wander cell chapter, Kaladin's watching the story in the smoke. He doesn't really real like wits being extremely subtle with it at this point um, of Kaladin. Isn't sure if it's just tricking his his eyes being tricked. Kaladin himself has surge bind like earlier that day and he recognized it. So magic is on his mind when he goes and talks to, to wit and then in Words of Radiance, Shalon recognizes it like a glowing illusion as light weaving, but she's not sure if he did it or she did it. And the reader doesn't know that either, if he's he's done it or she's done it. So this is another time where he's at a campfire. He's in the middle of the city. He's not really hiding like his his little illusion thing here. But Shalon's not sure if this is surge binding or if it's like light weaving or if it's another type of power or if it's literally just magic smoke. Like, you know, there isn't much to it. So. Do you want to push on to 68 and your conversation with uh, your two words, Elliot? 
Yeah, we should definitely definitely mention that because I really, I really enjoyed where the conversation ended up going with with Shalon and and Wit here. There, there's actually a along the way. There's actually a fun quote about uh, having lofty goals. You know, they're they're talking about you know how do we, how do you save the world? How do you make a, how do you make a difference with the uh, the powers that you've been given, and. Shalon says, says this. I'll just read it. What's the point of goals if not to spur you to something lofty? And then Wit responds, Yes, yes, aim for the sun. That way, if you miss, at least your arrow will fall far away, and the person it kills will likely be someone you don't know. Like that, <laughs> that, that is a, a perfect example of, of Wit's wittiness, of, of, you know, making fun of of somebody's you know lofty goals and you know the the traditional version of, of that quote maybe that you most of us have heard is you know aim aim for the sun if you miss you'll at least you know fall among the stars or right. do something good and exactly wit wit twisted of yeah 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 shoot for the sun so that when you fail the people you know far away are affected not you clever clever but uh, i liked where it then ended up at where my two words came in or wits two words i should say where they're talking about changing the world and and shallan's like no i'm gonna figure out how and he and wit responds back with you already know how learn why and that was that was really cool because shallan does have powers she does have the ability even without her powers i think she could you know be capable of of changing the world and having an impact we've already seen her have a huge impact on the entirety of Roshar. She's the one who pretty much single-handedly took down the the first unmade we, we came across. And not to mention she's saving the Alethi army from the Everstorm with the Oathgate. Yeah, yeah. And all the things she's done so far, she's probably had made more of a difference than anyone else we've seen. And yet she's still kind of caught up around this how do I do this? And wit very wisely points out i think no actually the more important thing for you to to figure out here is why why should you change the world and in what way should you change the world is kind of how i read into that if you've got the powers now go figure out how to use them the before that conversation ends that way, we learn the name or a title of the unmade in the palace. You guys pick up on this? Wit calls it the, where is it? The heart of the revel? Yes, the heart of the revel. And we have We've gotten like, you know, foreshadowing to, you know, there's something in the palace and when she's in the palace, there's something like in the mirror looking at her and stuff like that. Some serious horror film content that you could pull out of those couple chapters when she was in the palace. But we we get a title for it. We don't know if that's like it. This This title isn't really matching to the the names of the unmade because they're supposed to be in like the old script and this is kind of just a title of what she's referred to where like where the midnight mother had 
a, a name. I don't remember the name of the Midnight Mother off the top of my head, but and then this is the heart of the Revel, but she's got another another name. So, what were you guys' thoughts on this, and what does what does Hoy tell her to do? So he talks about how the heart of the Revel, like inspires or drives or kind of stokes the fire of like hedonism basically of it it drives people to you know eat to excess to to want pleasure i guess for lack of a better word it is kind of what i got from it and i i kind of drew a parallel in my mind to uh the queen asadan right is her name right there's this kind of this whole debate going on of when did the unmade show up? When when did things start going wrong? What came first, and... the unmade or the Aesodon? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because obviously this thing showed up at some point and it's causing a, a whole lot of problems. The whole palace is under its control. All the guards are, are under its control, apparently. But the behavior that it seems to be tied with seems like it may have been with Aesodon prior to all this she was behaving in a way that kind of aligns with this. She was being very wasteful. And we had that chapter, that interlude where we saw the ardent kind of, you know, try and expose her for all the ways she was, you know, being a, a heretic and piles of rotting food while the, the people out in the city go, you know, hungry kind of thing. So where, yeah, your question is the right one. Which came first, the Aesodan or the the unmade? Is is Aesodan like her behavior drew this unmade, or has the unmade been like kind of possessing Aesodan much further back than we thought? The, these are the questions. I think I know. Well, okay, I don't know, but I have my guess. Um, so we know that Spren basically are attracted to things, right? Like, when there's... Like... Okay, whatever. Insert Spren or whatever, however you imagine them to be, however you perceive them to be or whatever, right? Right, yeah. But we see... Like, water spread with the water. Like, all all the stuff, right? Um, And from what I've seen, from what we've seen, are unmade are kind of these, like, twisted versions. And I think they would be attracted to the like unhealthy version of like like their their kind of twisted quality if that makes sense um so my guess would be that acid or that that our unmade is attracted to acidan or that it was brought on by acidan um in the same way that so we saw our previous one um and we saw it kind of like spying on Shalon or kind of like around Shalon. And I think that is in part due to the unhealthy things that Shalon has been up to in our book here. Um, or at least just light weaving in general. But like that's kind of what that uh, Ray Shapir, I don't know, was interested in or trying to, I guess, be around. Um, so that's my guess. I think that's more likely than they just kind of happened to be right, which does actually make sense. They were in Eurythiru, which was like 
kind of mythical anyways. So it makes sense either way in my mind, but that's how I'm thinking of this right here. I, I really like that you brought this up, Paul, because all the way back in the way of Kings, you get a Kaladin flashback chapter and his dad is referring to medicine as you apply antiseptic to scare away the rot spren so the rot spren don't bring infection but and that's kind of how that's kind of how spren are viewed is they're attracted to certain things in the physical realm or i'm sorry they the other way around they're causing they they cause things in the physical realm thank you and um at the end of the book uh Silfrena asks Kaladin, do wind spren attract the wind or do they cause it? And it's kind of the question of was Kaladin honorable before Sil was in was there, or did Sil cause Kaladin to be honorable? And we learn later that Sil was attracted to Kaladin because he was honorable. And that's how when she when she came, she found him because he was already being honorable. So when the unmade is doing unmade stuff and is she attracted, is the unmade attracted to pleasure, hedonism, whatever from Acedon? That's a really good, really good question. I think it makes Anything a lot of sense. sense. Anything else from Marshall and chapters? Not over here. Let's talk about Kaladin. All right. We have two Kaladin chapters, and the first one, Kaladin is experimenting with these, with the spread that are surrounding the city and policing all of the stormlight that's being used in the city it started with span reeds that if you used your span reeds a fused would come and pick you up and take you away <laughs> and then it happened with their soul casters they realized they couldn't soul cast anything and then so kaladin's learned that from the city and now is experimenting of if i surge bind if i infuse this rock with stormlight is that gonna attract something and sure enough he infuses this little rock like barely and then a bunch of spread go wah, 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 and then a infused you know shows up and he hides from it so sorry how did the spread sound you, you, you heard it you can, can you do that one more time you can back me? the video up 10 seconds and listen to it again <laughs> yes i think that was accurate but i'll just have so to go with the, the with the notable exception of whatever Hoyd's doing and light weaving, they are the, the, these spren and then the fused are policing all of the stormlight being used in the city and confiscating, you know, the span reads and stuff like that. So what are your guys' thoughts on this? I was very curious why light weaving is an exception because Kaladin does his little test. Sure enough, the the things come. But we've seen Shalon. Shalon's like light weaving the whole time. She's she's constantly got these disguises either on her or other people of the party. 
and they don't come to that. Why? She even like does her thing, I think, where she you know ties a, the light weaving to a sphere and says, you know, hey, Calvin, here, carry this with you. So it's not even like it's just her wielding it. It's it's in my mind, the stormlight is off doing its thing. It's it's just like when Kaladin imbues the stone and makes it levitate. So why why is it different? Yeah, Trevor. Why is it what makes it different? You tell. So what what comes first, the spren or the fused? Uh, spren, right? The spren are like the alarm beacon and then the, the fuse show up afterwards right so if they're light weaving maybe they maybe the spren don't see light weaving as a problem maybe they like lies and so they're like oh that's fine (laughs) yeah that sounds a little far-fetched are they smart enough to detect the lies you know maybe maybe they're also cryptics and they don't want to rat out another cryptic in pattern you know Maybe that's why Syl doesn't like cryptics, is because they they're buddy buddy with the fused. Yeah, maybe so. So in this, hopefully, go ahead. Hopefully, we'll find out at some point soon. Hopefully, the the next thing that happens in this chapter is Kaladin is set up to go to this party with Adolin and um, Elokar. And he's supposed to be like one of the light-eyed guards with Adolin and Elokar. But last minute, he's like, eh, that sounds boring. I'm going to (laughs) go talk to the wall guard because that sounds more productive. And he climbs the wall and is kind of looking out. Actually, he doesn't climb the wall yet. He's, He's walking towards the wall and the wall guard actually approach him uh, and they sort of like, hey, hey, what's what's up? And he turns and they all are shocked to see his brands on his forehead. Now, two things interesting about this is one, Kaladin is light eyed at this point. So for Kaladin to get a shash brand while being light-eyed is like practically unheard of that if if a light-eyed were to do something that bad they would just you know kill him like that they, they would just execute him if a dark eyes would do something that bad they they can at least make a slave out of him but if you're light-eyed you can't be a slave so they would they would just you know whatever second thing is why can they see them in the first place right And I'm asking these exact same questions. Why did the light weaving, again, light weaving is doing funky things here. Shalon puts a light weaving disguise on Kaladin and then it's gone like an hour later, whereas the other ones are working just fine. And even before Kaladin's disguise worked just fine when they were coming into the city and then all of a sudden it doesn't work now. This is super odd. And the only thing I can think of is for similar reasons that we investigated at like the end of Way of Kings, I think it was, where we, we expected Kaladin's Stormlight powers to be able to heal his brands. 
and they don't. Yep. And we don't know why. And it seems kind of tied to somehow that like Kaladin, like Kaladin's personal past is important to him. It it defines, you know, part of him. And so it therefore it needs to... I am. Sorry. Yes. We've had that exactly. meet before. <laughs> it's a good one. It fits perfectly with, with this situation because Kaladin is like, you know, saying, oh, I want to get rid of my past, but no, his past is stuck with him. It defines who he is. So it's almost like this is even going even further to where his personality and his past is so powerful that it even overpowers Shalon's light weaving stuff. But that that seems even, I don't know, weirder to me. That's not even like a magic-based thing. It's just, a, oh, his personality is so strong. Weird. There's, there's two more details to add here. When they were all getting their Bridge 4 tattoos, they all got it on their forehead. And Kaladin's didn't stick because his brand was there. That's the whole reason why they got him on their forehead. It's because their slave brands are on their forehead and they're, they're covering up their slave brands. But his, he gets it inked in or whatever. And then as soon as he draws in Stormlight, the Stormlight heals the Bridge 4 tattoo and not yeah. the slave brand. Second thing... Our Herdazian, our one-armed Herdazian friend, Lopin, is no longer one-armed. Stormlight was able to heal Lopin's arm, his full arm, and it's not able to heal Kaladin's brands. Maybe the brand is part of his honor. Ooh. Like, part part of what's, like given him his honor you know like kind of that step of humility and so maybe that's actually an integral part of him being who he is and so they can't just like wipe that away you know i like that because that actually works with this scene as well maybe his honor is preventing him from doing the deceitful thing and wearing a disguise so that that lines up. Paul with the big brain theories tonight. I like it. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm, me and Elliot decided to switch roles. For, <laughs> I'll bring the the deep thoughts and. You're you're dropping t- the dropping the bombs today. <laughs> this is this is awesome. I, so I'm I'm thinking down this line even further actually because we say well his honor won't let him do that well his honor is still kind of, is this like still intervening? Like is still, you know, stopping the, the storm from healing the brands and still is like intentionally removing the, the disguise because she's, you know, offended by it. Cause it's deceitful and lies or something like that. I wonder. She's over there with a little rag, like wiping away all the stormlight yeah. from away from his head. Like, no, 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 no. You need this. No, not here. Not here. Not right here. <laughs> Leave this part. Yeah. Exactly. Sill and the Stormlight had a conversation before, like, okay, we're going to clean everything. We're going to heal everything. <laughs> but this right here, make sure we leave this, okay? <laughs> That's the one job, all right? All right? Get after it. It's Kaladin's Achilles heel. What if he gets hit, you know, right in the forehead? Yeah, Is he gonna, exactly. not going to heal it? He can't, he can't heal it. Yeah. That's funny. All right, any more before we get to High Marshal Azure? 
just maybe re reiterating or revisiting the fact that these brands are showing these guys see the brands and they invite him in anyway, which this seems odd. Cause like we said, not only does he have a slave brand, not only does he have a shash dangerous brand, he's a light eyes. And they even comment on like, wow, what the heck did you do to get a shash brand? And then they just kind of laugh it off and, and invite him in. Like that doesn't make sense. It's, it's actually super, super important to consider that in the light of a military context, because if you had, you know, traitor branded on the top of your forehead, no military branch is going to let you in. And these guys are like, eh, we're desperate enough that you can join, you know? like. <laughs> and, and is that like, that's the question. Is that it? You know, they immediately identify him as, oh, you must be a deserter. Hey, come on, join us. Uh, like, it'll be fine. Like, are they just that desperate for help that they'll welcome anybody? Or are they like a band of misfits somehow and they are drawn to maybe kind of more of the outsiders or something like that? It, it doesn't seem to fit. It doesn't seem to make sense. Anything else before our high marshal? Still one. All right. High Marshal Azure walks into the, the barracks while Kaladin is having his first meal with the wall guard. And everybody turns, and she's a woman. She has short, gray, silver hair. And she's got a shard blade at her hip that she doesn't ever dismiss. And let me reiterate that she's a high marshal. That's the same rank that Amaram was before he became a a, a bright lord or a uh, a high prince. That's not a low rank at all. And. Elokar and Adolin have no I, no context from where she came from, and none of her men do either. It it all just kind of seems like, yeah, when when they had the first attack on the wall, the Voidbringers, she kind of just showed up and was there, and it's like, hey, we're gonna fight now. And they had a couple interesting couple interesting phrases to refer to her as if you guys pick these up and I'll, I'll highlight them if you didn't but what are you guys' thoughts on High Marshal Azure I don't have that many thoughts on her herself but I do about her sword um, okay. of course it's a shard blade that isn't dismissing and it also says that there's no gemstone on the pummel right and Kaladin says that like the only time I've ever seen that was with the assassin in white, Zeth, and his honor blade. And so he's assuming, I guess, that this is an honor blade, which I am I am too at this point. So Which either means that someone like Zeth that just kind of happened well, I don't know how he got the Windrunner honor blade, do we? He just he just had it, you know. Um The other that or he, she is a herald. Right. That is a, a herald blade. That is a very solid 
uh, hypothesis, except for the fact that the heralds gave up their their swords. But she could have gone and you know picked it back up. The other possibility, though, is that it's just a, I guess I'll say Sprenbrit, Sprenblade, right? So when when Kaladin summons Syl as a blade, she doesn't have a gemstone on the the hilt, right, Trevor? Correct. Right. So I think it tells us that it's not a, I'll say, regular shard blade. It's not a, a you a know, dead spren blade. Spren blade. Right. So it's okay. it's either a spren. It's either she's a surge binder, night radiant with you know at the level where she can summon her spren, or it's an honor blade. One of those two. So on the the honor blade thing, okay, I thought I had a good thought, but I guess not. So Talonel had his sword still, right? But he was the one that was left behind. Like, he was the Correct. one against the nine, so that makes sense. Okay. So not 100% sure if this is a herald now. At first I was like, oh, Trevor's trying to trying to throw me off the scent, but I'm on it. Uh, but no, that's quick, not quite true. Quick reference to where... Zeth got his sword. You've kind of been told this at this point if you're re- reading between the lines, but in Dalinar's flashback chapter where it's Ahari Etiam and everybody is dying everywhere and the nine give up their their swords. Somebody walks into the clearing and that's the guy that the Almighty chooses to, you know, be like give his little speech with. He's Shin. And so it's kind of left up to the reader to assume that that Shin guy grabbed the swords and walked off. And so that the Shin have had these swords for a while. I think we had a couple other hints to that as well. There's like a Teravangian conversation where he references like the Shin and their honor blades or, or something, you know, vague like that, that kind of hints towards it. So, yeah, I, I am kind of on the, the, the boat of i think this might be an honor blade here that she does have i i want it to be talonel's honor blade we we know that that honor blade kind of went missing right and so where was it well the last time we saw it was was in colonar right right? he showed up at the front gate with it we haven't seen it since so did it get stuck or lost somewhere here and, and Azure just found it, you know, and went to battle, did great deeds, and got elevated to the level of High Marshal? Maybe. That's plausible in my book. I'll definitely keep an eye out for that because we didn't get, like, an in-depth description of it, did we, of Azure's blade? We did with Talonel's, though. I kind of vaguely remember it, but we did get, an act like, a... In kind of in-depth description I could go look at or listen to and see, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm curious about that. Is it a different one? Because if so, then we would be on our third Honor Blade now, right? Because we've seen the Windrunner one, we have the Windrunner one, and we've seen Talonels. Is that right? Or you, have we taken... You have seen... Break? You have seen Talonels. Mm-hmm. Um... But like Elliot said, somebody swapped it before Talonel got to the Shattered Plains. He just had a normal shard blade at that point. And uh, 
yeah, you have the honor blade. Rock has the honor. Rock has, uh, yeah, it's Raiden's Windrunner. Yep. Yeah. I think we got to look and we got to watch closely here and see what kind of powers she has. That's going to be, I think, the tell of can we figure out what order of night radiant she is, whether it's an honor blade or not, it, by figuring out what power she has. Because I think we know we know quite a bit now about the different powers, you know, surges that the, the orders have. So even if we can figure out one, that's going to narrow things down quite a bit. But I didn't see anything in here that really jumped out to me as a surge. So we'll have to keep watching. At the beginning of the chapter, Kaladin is leaning one way, and at the end of the chapter, he's leaning the other. So at the beginning of the chapter, Kaladin instantly thinks of, oh, that's a, that's an honor blade. And then at the end of the chapter, he's thinking, wait, I think I just found a, us another Knight's Radiant, is what he tells uh, Adolin. So he, he, he goes from one hypothesis to the other in this chapter. I guess that's about the most notable thing I can think of is kind of figuring out her blade because that will tell a lot. Do you guys have any more predictions on Azure? Where is this all going? Are we going to be here for the assault? Are we going to get the oath gate working before then? I assume we're going to be hanging around here for a bit. Um, yeah, I don't know why why we would meet all these like people and stuff if they're gonna like instantly vanish, but like it's possible. It kind of like our Parshindi characters we met when Kaladin was captured. It could be pretty short lived. Just get a little insight to the people there and then dip, you know. But I don't know. I feel like we're building to two separate showdowns, if you will. One is Kaladin and Moash. So I think that I think we will see some sort of invasion because I think Kaladin is going to like, you know, charge into battle and realize that Moash is on the other end charging towards him, sort of thing. The other one is Elokar versus the unmade or however that's going to play out shallan versus the unmade however that whole thing is going to go down can they get into the palace can they defeat the unmade can they save asadan and, and elokar's son so i think we've got two kind of parallel climaxes headed our way that might happen at the same time i'm kind of imagining you know a scene where we're like you know j jumping back and forth between the two you know epic moments or maybe one will get delayed so we see the other one first. Not sure, but I think that's where we're going with both of these. Are we getting the Oathgate before the invasion comes? Is there going to be like a proper Eurothero army in Kolinar before the battle happens? Yes? No? That would be pretty epic, wouldn't it? Big, uh, big army versus big army. I don't know. I kind of feel like this this unmade is going to turn out to be more of a of an adversary than they even think, and that they're going to have a pretty hard time getting that oath gate open. So I I almost want to guess no, 
that we're going to have trouble with that. But I don't know. Shalon's pretty sneaky. Shalon is pretty stinky. Shalon is pretty stinky. That's true. <laughs> um, I, I don't fully know. It, like how I imagine this kind of playing out is like Shalon gets ends up in a lot of trouble, but kind of gets saved or something like that. But um, I, I, I imagine this unmade being different from our previous one in the sense like I felt like our previous one was like fight oriented like creating beings or things like that to fight and I just have this like sense which could not apply at all of this one being more like witty like trying to control people's thoughts or things like that more so than actually like fighting even though like I'm assuming used mind control to stab Shalon or whatever was going on there whenever she initially approached. Um, and maybe whenever they actually meet, it's just some weak little thing. But he's just, like, really mentally impactful. I don't know. That's just me over, like, theorizing for no real reason and with zero evidence. But I'm like, that would be kind of interesting. So I, I really have no, like big prediction nothing wrong with zero evidence theorizing sure to close out this episode I just want to highlight Azure's come fight speech that she gives Kaladin and what we assume she's given you know dozens of other guys in the in the city of you can you can hide in the city or you can make something of yourself and come fight with us and you go think about it and tomorrow when you inevitably make that is the right decision we'll get you a wall guard patch like she's she's a very leadership like dare i say entitlement to her she just assumes that he'll make what in her mind is the right decision of you're going to join the wall guard. You're going to fight with us because I see a, a real soldier in you. Really like that section. And I was trying to read into that to maybe try and deduce some of the like virtues, I guess that might go along with that. That might tie us to like a certain order of Knights radiant, but I couldn't quite come to a conclusion there because it doesn't seem super wind runnery. You know, the wind runners are all about, protection and and you know no no man left behind sort of thing whereas this is much more like call to action this is this is i'm going to inspire you to do something that you normally wouldn't do this is you know out of your comfort zone sort of thing so i'm i'm not quite sure if if that aligns with our orders that we've seen so far so maybe it's an order that we haven't seen yet this doesn't this isn't a hundred percent match but you've seen Shalon do this a couple times, what Azure's doing, where she'll walk up to true. a couple ruffians and say, hey, there's a bunch of innocent people dying over here. I know you guys used to be soldiers. Go save them. And they do. So, she a lightweaver? It's a good question. I didn't think about that. That does potentially parallel. This seems a little bit 
different and that this is more of kind of like a lead from the front lines as opposed to Shalon's is more of a I'm gonna kind of inspire you and, and send you off sort of thing but I, I see the I see the comparison though yeah any other thoughts before we close the episode not here ready I to think keep she's reading an else caller I think that's what it is the Did you just pull a name out of a hat there no, I th- no. I can kind of see it. <laughs> it's it's near it's near Lightweaver, but it's not like it, it shares and, the soul casting virtue. And I think it will have more of like the the Yasna aspect, and then that will provide significance for Shalon of like almost feeling like she's overcoming the strengths that Yasna has, which is kind of a big trope for her. Okay. Anything else? All right, let's keep reading and reconvene next week. Thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot. See you later. Farewell.